0: Hello everybody. Um, I want to spend some time with you in the book of Revelation. I think events in the world that have erupted around the coronavirus have made people think about events that may unfold upon the world and may be written about in the book of Revelation. I think this is true. So in the next few weeks, I'm going to go through the book of Revelation with you, not in depth, but highlighting various portions of the book that I think are most relevant for each and every one of us. Today, of course, I simply want to give you an introduction, and hereafter we shall move forward and look at this book and see what it has to teach us and tell us about the days in which we presently live. So the book of Revelation is in fact the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the book of revelations. It's only the book of revelation, meaning that it's teaching us about those events that have to take place in order for Jesus to be revealed literally and physically to the world again. That is his second coming. So the idea behind the word revelation is the following, to make manifest, all to unveil and that's the concept of the book to make manifest or to unveil and uh, the whole book is centered around the glorious second coming of jesus it's important for us to understand that it does concentrate on all sorts of remarkable events but these are all necessary because they are those events that have to take place in order for Jesus to come again. So the book was written about 92 or 94 AD, and of course the revelation was given to John as he was on the Isle of Patmos as a suffering servant for the gospel of Jesus. The Bible itself teaches us about that. And the book is really very important because It carries a blessing and a curse. And it's the only book of the Bible that actually has this reserved uh, for people. And so we need to take note of that at the very beginning. And I think the reason for that is that the book is neglected. It has become and is the most neglected book in the whole of the Bible. Preachers infrequently preach from it. They never expound it. In fact, I've heard them mock it and scoff at it, as if it was less important to the rest of Scripture. But the Bible teaches that all Scripture is inspired and given of God. Peter says, all Scripture is God-breathed, given by God, by His Word and by His sovereignty. The book of Revelation is very important. So in chapter 1 and verse 3, we have a blessing promised to those who delve into its pages. Listen to this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So blessed, and in the Greek it means greatly to be envied, are those, in fact, who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, because the time is near. So there's a blessing upon those who look into the facts of this book. Then there's also a curse. And this is given to us in Revelation chapter 22 and verses 18 to 19. And here we find this said, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. That's amazing that it's possible that if you mismanage the book of Revelation and you take away or discard or consider its volume to be irrelevant, the Bible says actually God will take your place away in the book of life in the holy city and uh, that is a very very serious warning that's how important the book of revelation is and so we need to give heed to it and we need to act upon it as john says in chapter one so just in this study i want to look at the purpose of for which the book is written and we can say a few things number one the book is chiefly written to to assure believers in Jesus of his ultimate and final triumph over all that is wicked and evil in the world and this final triumph of all that is wicked and evil in the world is the return of Christ and the book is written to assure believers that that day is coming in the end, we will be victorious. Thank God for that. And you have this concept uh, given in chapter 1. Listen to this in verses 7 to 8. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So here you have uh, God himself undergirding the fact that Jesus is absolutely and definitely coming again. And, and you can take that to the bank because he is uh, the, the beginning and the end. He is the creator of the universe. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything in the world is summed up in him. And of course, uh, uh, he is a mighty God who promises the return of Christ. What a wonderful statement at the very beginning of this book. The same thought is contained at the end of the book. So this is the first chapter where we are assured of Christ's triumph. And at the very end of the chapter, or the very last chapter of the book, should I say, in chapter 22, verses 12 to 13, we read this, and this is Jesus speaking. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. How wonderful that is. Again, you notice that Jesus assumes the very titles that God gives to himself. He is coming again. You can be sure of that as we begin to look at the book of Revelation. You can take that, as I said, to the bank. Now, the book is written in typical Hebrew style and I'm not going to go into that here now. We will later. But that means it employs the following Hebraic concepts of writing. That is Hebrew parallelism. And uh, that's the first thing. The second one is prophetic, progressive fulfillment. And the third one is the principle of remes. We will say more about that as we examine the book and look into its exciting pages and the most important thing however is that the book is addressed to the church of Jesus Christ it is exclusively addressed to the church of Jesus Christ and this means that the whole book every part of the book is addressed to the church And every part of this book from chapter 1 to chapter 22 has great relevance for the church of Jesus Christ. In recent years, a doctrine has arrived on the scene that has basically disinvested the church from much of the book, actually from chapter 4 onwards. This is not true. The book is exclusively written for the believer in Jesus To build his life upon. And in that regard, every part of the book is speaking to me and to you. And so in the first chapter, we find that this is what Jesus says to John. I was in the spirit on the last day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So the book is addressed to seven churches that existed in real time and in history. Real Christians. And it also is addressed to each and every one of us, who live today it's important for us to see that and to understand that and then the purpose of the book is to set out the things that have to take place in the church and the world in order to bring forth the triumphant second coming of jesus jesus can only step onto the stage of history literally and physically on the Mount of Olives, when this stage has been set. And before the stage is set, he cannot come. And once all the pieces are on the stage, then the curtain will lift and he will be unveiled and he will stand upon the stage of history again. What a wonderful day that will be. But this is also an awesome thing. And it's a serious matter because in terms of the world, wickedness has to ripen and come to its fullness before Jesus can step onto the stage of history. This thing that the Bible calls the mystery of iniquity has to come out into the open and demonstrate its utter and complete rebellion against God. Actually, Jesus said that in Matthew 22 and verse 44, where he stated that his enemies uh, uh, will come to his footstool, meaning that he will stay in heaven at the right hand of God until all his enemies, uh, like worms, come out of the woodwork and they come before his footstool. And then he will stand up and then he will judge them by his coming. So the book of Revelation actually is about the worms in one way, the enemies of Jesus uh, in the world who have to come out from the darkness, be emboldened by conditions that allows them to step more boldly onto the stage of history. And then he comes to judge them so that God's righteous judgment is not only correct and right, but it's seen to be just as well that's why we state that in terms of the world wickedness has to ripen and come to its fullness and in terms of the church she has to be judged in this period and purified she lives in the world just as we live in the world today and we experience the coronavirus in fact it's a virus that comes upon everyone and uh And so in the church, God is working today a deep work of repentance and purification through it. I have been amazed at the response of the church of Jesus, how it has has, uh, uh, recognized that it needs to withdraw from the world more. It needs to be more godly than worldly. It needs to be more conformed to the image of Christ than to the image of this world it needs to be a friend of jesus and not a friend of the world and suddenly this coronavirus which is a judgment has fallen upon everyone it brings wickedness out into the open we've seen that but it also brings the purification that god desires into the life of his people and uh, Revelation fourteen is a remarkable little passage in in this regard. It's it's this it's this uh, summary in a way of events of the end time, and it talks about a harvest. and It's interesting. It's very interesting because it talks about a harvest that has two components, and uh, and 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 it's remarkable in the way in which it says it. So in in the chapter from verse. 17 from verse 14 actually we read this then i looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud one one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown in his hand and a sharp sickle a picture of jesus wonderful and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud this is what he said thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. In in other words, righteousness was ripe. The church had come to its fullness in purification and Jesus gathers this uh, church without wrinkle or spot unto himself. But then there's another picture immediately. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle, And another came out from the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. One incredible harvest coming out of the earth, two components, a church that is righteous and purified. And the people of the world, the ungodly, the wicked, who've come to the footstool of Jesus, who fall under the judgment of God. It's quite a picture, to be honest, really, quite a picture. So, my friends, we need to understand then, that this picture is also given to us in Revelation chapter 7. And I want to refer you to it, Revelation 7. Now, listen to this carefully. Revelation chapter 7, John sees this multitude of people in heaven. Man, it's a number that no man can count. These are the saints of all history. And uh, there they are. They gathered at the throne of God. And he's overcome with what he sees. And, and he's, he's totally overcome that he asks the angel who's escorting him a question. And um, uh, uh, actually the angel asks him a question and he is unable to answer it. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes? He says, John, who are these? These multiple millions. And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat incredible they come out of the great tribulation and what did that great tribulation uh, do for them it says this and it's amazing he says this these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and because of it they washed their robes and made them white by the blood of the lamb How strange it is that it's times of judgment that cause us to admit admit our sin and to depart from it. Just as we see now in the world, where people everywhere, all of us, have looked into our hearts. I think if we're really honest, we've all made changes. We've all decided that we need to draw closer to Christ. We've seen how quickly the God of this world can turn it upside down. How quickly the finger of God can shake the world and bring it to nothing. Who are these, says this heavenly elder. John says, I don't know. And he says, these are the ones, these glorious saints, came out of the great tribulation. And because of it, they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We need to think about that today. My friends, as I bring this to a close, today the setting of the stage is rapidly taking place. The book of Revelation is beginning to speak to us. And you have to be spiritually blind if you don't see that. All the wickedness that is oozing onto the stage of history, it's absolutely terrifying. Brazen, ungodly wickedness. And uh, the enemies of Jesus are coming to his footstool. And we see this in all sorts of things. The perversity of sexuality, the filth that's covering the world, the rise of electronic money, the herding of the world into an economic system and then we see the the emergence of microchip implanted technology whereby people can be traced people can be brought under surveillance all couched in the words of security of our health and of looking after us and we also see it in the constant calls by many even the pope for a one world religion and a one world government. Famous figures today have made calls of this nature. All of this is in the book of Revelation. God bless you. This is Malcolm hedy